0: this is the mg car club podcast on this episode memories of mg during the second world war the mg car club podcast hello welcome to the mg car club podcast wayne scott with you and hope you're keeping well hope you're excited as well because this episode Of the MG Car Club podcast comes just a month before the massive centenary event of the year. Yes, it is MG and Triumph 100, of course, at Silverstone, 10th to the 11th of June 2023. And everyone is excited about this one. It's the must attend event of the year, and it's all shaping up very nicely. We've got Russ Swift's stunt show, he's booked and ready. Two, three quarters of an hour slots for him in the live arena, both days at the event we've got all the live arena stuff as well presented by myself meeting you the listeners and all of your cars in the mg car club we'll be telling the story of not just the cars that make up the 100 years of mg it's various evolutions and eras but also some of those birthday cars as well that celebrate their own anniversaries this year things like the mg magnet za launched in 1953 the k3s from 1933 important vehicles like that we'll be exploring as well and of course we'll be sharing the live arena with the california cup which you can still enter by the way via the event website at mg triumph 100 co.uk. That is the place you can buy your tickets from as well, by the way. Also, MG Motor UK are joining us with a very special selection of vehicles from MG Motor. They've confirmed their attendance. They're going to bring their entire range, and perhaps we might just see a sneaky peek at their brand new sports car. You'll have to attend the show to find out whether it's going to be there or not. I can't say anything, not a word also of course there's a whole program of racing with mg's and triumph's throughout the year is on track throughout the weekend on the full grand prix circuit no less and that's all whilst all the fun happens on the infield with live music both during the day and the evening all of the acts have been confirmed on the event website you can read all about them on there there's event mobility making sure the event is open to everyone and of course there are chances to donate to our official charity this year the Prostate Cancer UK charity, who does some amazing work for men's health here in the UK, raising awareness and finding possible solutions for the future as well. All the information you need on MG and Triumph 100 is on the event website at mgtriumph100.co.uk. Go there and book your tickets as well. And if you're an MG Car Club member listening to this, don't forget, don't pay full price for your tickets. It's really easy to get your members discount all you have to do when you go onto the website and buy your tickets is make sure in the little promo code box that you put your membership number in there and click the apply button and you'll notice that all the prices underneath change and then you can book your tickets enjoying the full members discount you can book all your camping through the same bit as well also pay your entry fees to the california cup it's just a month away from recording this in 2023 it is mg and triumph 100 at silverstone 10th to the 11th of june 2023 get your tickets now mg triumph 100.co.uk and of course i mentioned the brand new sports car from mg it's been a long time in the coming it's their first all new sports car since the mgf launched in the 1990s it is the mg cyberster we've been talking about it for years we've seen various different prototypes it's been finally unveiled at the shanghai motor show we got some pictures of it here in the uk as well when the mg car club were asked to supply an mgb for the launch photo shoot which took place in oxfordshire There's also been a launch held for the press in Marylebone in London in the design studios there. Carl Gotham, who leads those design studios and leads the British team that design the MG Cyberster, have done a fantastic video and you can see that on the MG Car Club news pages. Just go to mgcc.co.uk forward slash news and you can see the images, see the video and read all about the Cyberster on there. Also, over on the shop shop.mgcc.co.uk a full range of clothing has been launched to celebrate the centenary year that happens across both 2023 and 2024 of course 2023 celebrating 100 years since Cecil Kimber's first Morris special old number one and of course MG Motor celebrating at the beginning of their MG brand in 2024 marking 100 years of that as well gives us an opportunity to celebrate over two years instead Of one, and so there's plenty of opportunity to use and enjoy all of that merchandise and clothing that you can currently find on the shop at shop.mgcc.co.uk. T shirts, polos, hoodies, key rings, plaques, the lot, it's all on there for you. Many of those items as well, limited edition, so don't miss out. Make sure you get your stuff, have a look online now, and you can find links to the shop and all of the information you need via of course the club website at mgcc.co.uk i'm looking forward to seeing you all at silverstone lining the arena for all of the amazing interviews that we're looking forward to throughout the weekend looking forward to telling the story of not just mg but triumph as well during the weekend and meeting all of you lot face to face And now onwards to this episode of the MG Car Club podcast, and it's a very special interview. It's the last of our interviews recorded at the MG Abingdon Workers' Reunion that was held at Kimber House in Oxfordshire, the headquarters, of course, of the MG Car Club in Abingdon, at the tail end of last year. And it happens every year where we get all of the workers together and just let them have a fantastic day remembering their time at mg and this interview is unique it's an amazing insight into the mg factory at abingdon during the second world war and one of the few people that was able to remember those days and tell us about what it was like working there in the factory during wartime and producing components for the tempest aircraft of course The name of the lady you're about to hear is Iris Dixon and unfortunately shortly after this podcast was recorded we learned that Iris had passed away but with the permission of her family and you'll hear her two sons in this interview, Barry and Clive Dixon, we've kept the recording and shared her memories with you in her honour and her memory. She was really a wonderful lady and in the short amount of time I spent with her. I had an absolutely wonderful insight into her amazing life and as you'll hear she's incredibly proud of her two sons who are very much a part of mg history themselves as well and Barry started as a t-boy worked on the mg midget line has got some fantastic memories clive also worked at the factory but left mg to go and be a famous drummer for frank ifield it's true you'll hear all about that in this interview it's a bit rough and ready i'll be honest this interview because we were having our conversation and then barry and clive were in the room and the whole conversation just broadened out and rather than stop it all to move microphones around i just let the thing record because it was one of those moments that we just had to capture i hope you'll enjoy it as much as i enjoyed recording it with them they're a lovely family and our thoughts go out to clive and barry and to the wider family for their losses, iris has passed away but here she is in her splendor telling us all about mg at abingdon during the second world war iris dixon and her two sons barry and clive are next the mg car club podcast the mg car club the mark of friendship. To take advantage of our many membership benefits, access to our centres and registers, and to receive your copy of Safety Fast magazine, join us now at mgcc.go.uk. Sharing your passion for MG on the MG Car Club podcast. We have a really unique story now with Iris Dixon who joins me who has to be the only person here who worked on aeroplanes at MG because she was here at the factory at Abingdon between 1944 and 1946 when of course car production shut down and the factory was entirely focused on the war effort. So, Iris, take me back to 1944. How did you end up working here at MG? Presumably you were one of those ladies brought in to help the war effort working in the factories.
1: Yes. Well, we used to go to the MG club and we loved dancing and I met my husband there. He was a little older than me and my dad used to say, be home at nine o'clock, but of course... We didn't <laughs> And then eventually, Eddie used to, my husband Eddie used to say, "Oh, if you can't stay out late, let's get married." My dad went mad. <laughs> so um, anyway, we did eventually get married in 44, and that's when he said, "Come work in our factory." So I did. Wow. And I was on temper inspection, learned all about the vernier gauge micrometers and all the other gauges and then I got pregnant with Barry we had to leave then of course they went back to car production didn't they Mm -hmm.
0: because of course um, that was quite unusual for a lot of the factories at the time because generally speaking in the UK at that time you couldn't work in a factory if you were married but the war changed all of that didn't it yes it did certainly did Abingdon must have been a really different place then
1: Oh, it certainly was, yes, I can remember I didn't like the vastness of the open factory a bit frightening for a young girl, but yeah, other than that, we enjoyed it and
0: so take us to the factory in 1944 when you walked through the front door what did you see was there still evidence of car production or had, had that all been cleared away by that point
1: no i would say it was all cleared away right As and I've... so
0: you'd have seen bits of aircraft by then oh, i suppose
1: yes yeah and i was on the booms.
0: so talk us through your your average day then you'd come into work you'd clock in and uh, what would you sit down and do
1: Word. We started work straight away. Uh, then we got a break, and we used to pop down the town on our bikes, have a bit of lunch, um, and back to work again. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what time we finished. About six o'clock, I think. And I was just measuring with the gauges. Okay. That was about all my job, really. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Was the Average day um, interrupted at all during that period? Can you remember with, you know, a bombing? I can not
1: quite remember, but I, no, I shouldn't think it would be much interrupted at all. Right, okay. You had to keep on working. <laughs> yeah, I used to say, oh, that's one of mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Must have been an amazing atmosphere because, of course, this was a period of time where the war was starting to come to an end, but in 1944, the Second World War was taking a really difficult turn for the Allied nations. It, it, the sort of things that you were reading in the press might not have been uh, the sort of things that you would have liked to have read in the press at the time. So was there a real sense of family atmosphere, of teaming together and getting through it? What, what was the atmosphere like in the factory at that time?
1: Well, it was a f- uh, quite a familiar family affair. Before that, we were bombed out of London, and my two sisters worked on top-deck aircraft on the Albemarle. The boys worked there, and my dad was a security guard eventually, but of course, family with the lads in the, on the floor.
0: I guess it was an amazing thing to be building things that would go into war, which is probably something you didn't ever expect to be doing in a factory.
1: No, not at all. Well, I was always inclined to do secretarial work mm. um, because before that I worked at um, Wellworthy Pistons. I don't oh. know if you've heard of it. Right. From Limington in Hampshire. Okay. And they took over part of Pavlova factory, which was... Right. But I was in the office there, uh-huh. doing the wages, uh-huh. one pound thirty a week. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I say when we got married, he said, "Oh, come and work with us." Hmm. So we did. I remember two of the bosses' names who were over me. Who were they? Gordon Phillips, George Plummer.
0: And you got on well with them at the time they were. Oh
1: yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, well, we, we all got on together really. Yeah. You know, we never knew what was going to happen.
0: We often hear about that period in history from the point of view of the conflict and what people were doing on the battlefront, you know, and so much of the history of that period of time is focused on the war effort. Yes. But here in the UK, here at home, People like you were busy doing day-to-day jobs, building things.
1: Yes, of course.
0: And, you know, it's a it's a brilliant insight into what the atmosphere was like back at home during that period of time. Did you sort of follow the stories of the war at the time and what the things you were building were going on to do?
1: Yes, yes, we took a great interest. And I used to say, I always remember saying, can I put my name on a boom? No way. No, just great. do your work. Yeah, we used to wonder, I wonder... Who's going to fly this plane, you know, this yeah. tempest?
0: How have you seen the town change over those years?
1: Well, it has changed a lot because all different... Uh, Harwell Atomic Energy, they moved in to Abingdon. Mm-hmm. You know, people, they, they had their special houses.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and you left the factory in '46. Yes. The war was over. What was... What, did the atmosphere change at that point? You know, the war had won, it was over, and was there a sort of sense of celebration at the time?
1: yes yes we had a big party i remember mean, you know everywhere they all had parties um, but i had to put barry in a nursery yeah. do you remember the nursery mm. yeah and i had to there was an old cinema in sturt street at that time and the pioneer Corps took it over And we were buffing or doing soldiers' mess tins. Okay. So I had to go and work there. Right till about five o'clock at night. Then we had to go down to the abbey to do civil defence. Oh right? No no well, we the lady, Mrs. Crook, remember her, she used to make us cheese on toast. that's all we had <laughs> yeah nice. but my dad was because he was in the first world war mm. but he would make sure we did do our effort we did make an effort he mm. made sure of that because mm-hmm. initially uh, there was five girls and we all wanted to win the wrens. and daddy said no you're all too young really yeah of course, being a sailor as he was, or in the army and whatnot, he knew what went on.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, he um, wanted to protect you from what he knew would be. Yes,
1: yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So we all ended up, uh, I say, two sisters on top aircraft, one sister was secretary, the MGs, and that's how we all got on. And eventually they gave my mum a council house. Because we were in billets all the time, you know. Yeah, so we all eventually got
0: married. At the end of your time here at MG, were you here just as they started to go back to car production or was that still a long way off when you left?
1: Oh, a long way off.
0: Right.
1: Yes. Well, as far as I know, yeah.
0: Where did you go from there?
1: Uh, Well, looking after...
0: Looking after these two.
1: These two, I <laughs> suppose, yeah. Born in
0: 1946. Yeah. You born in the year you, le- you mm.
2: left M.J. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes.
0: 1957. Yeah. Amazing then to come here and see where your mum worked. Yeah. So, you know, there once would have been a busy factory here oh, putting yeah, together pieces really. of aircraft. I used to pick up my wages from that pay office there, which is still up.
3: I was here from 76 to... 76, 77, 78 I worked here. T-boy in 76. Seventy-seven, seventy-eight, top deck fitting the bumpers on the MGB, you know, and then Barry.
2: I went in there as a, as a. I just, I was fourteen years old, just turned fifteen, and I went
0: straight in the factory. This is where everyone seems to begin. Everyone I've spoken to today all starts as a tea boy, you know, and, and sort of progresses yeah, up yeah, from there. You're, yeah. You're, then you were
2: allowed to either go on the line or or go in the stores, whatever you wanted to do, you know. I started there and. Nineteen sixty, sixty-one, something. Yeah, Yeah. my dad was the foreman on the on the lines, you know, and and Mm. I was on the midget line before it closed down, and the foreman on the line was my dad.
0: Wow! (laughs) (laughs) So just as Iris was saying, it really is a family thing, isn't it? Here at MG, yeah,
3: it was a family. Yeah, yeah, it really was.
1: Of course, Dad was a pianist. Right. And um, I used to sing a bit with the with the band um, and we used to tour the American bases, uh, Air Force bases, hmm. you know, entertained quite a bit. Uh, when we got married, going back, we were going to have the MG club as our reception because we didn't have much food or drink. But it got burned down, didn't it? Mm-hmm. What year? 44. 44, hmm. yeah, when we got married. Yeah, yeah, of so the mayor of Abingdon said, I can't think of who was mayor, anyway, he said, as you've been entertaining, we will give you the bear room in the...
3: Uh, R- Royce's, Royce's room, well, was it bear the bear room, th- room? Okay, right. In the arch yes. of the abbey grounds there, there's yeah. a... Lovely buildings, lovely h- halls. Wow!
1: Yeah, we'll give you the beer room to have your reception. Amazing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, what did I say? We didn't have much. No, not mm. a lot of food or drink. Mm. And I think another thing why that was because where Eddie, my husband, lodged, there they also had three army officers yeah. in there. Yeah, there
3: was three officers.
1: Captain within. Clark. Captain Morris, wedding, you know? yeah.
3: So, yeah. and
1: of course they all came, didn't they? Yeah. Because yeah. you
3: weren't—they didn't let them buildings out to people. The bare room. Oh no. And the, and the quite private. Quite private room, so yeah, to be I given think. them for your wedding, was good. Mm. Mm. That's great, you yeah, so. know.
1: Oh, wedding! I, I had to borrow a dress. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we never had a honeymoon. till later. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, many years later. Wow. You know. Yeah, and then eventually, um, oh, cause my mum—they gave my mum a council house with four bedrooms, and they said, "Would you foster, semi-foster, uh, some waffs from the okay. station, yeah. which she had two girls, and after that she sort of fostered a couple of American lads." And when it was all over, Bob Hope came to the. Uh, base, American base, Gave my brought my mum a hamper of food wow. and a little letter of thanks for looking after the boys. And my sister was quite fond of one of them, Walter. Oh, yeah. You remember yeah. Walter?
2: i well, never met him, but I do... Yeah, well, you've there. heard.
1: Yeah. Uh, she was quite fond of him. But he wouldn't get serious... He said, I, I want to go back to America. I'm going to become a monk. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he did become a monk. And my elder sister and the husband uh, went on holiday to Paris. And they met Walter with a few monks on top of the Eiffel Tower.
0: Wow. It was very strange. So he did become a monk, to oh, true he did to his word. A monk. <laughs>
1: Wow. And I've got a cigarette. Oh, um, yeah, he showed me that. He wrote on it yeah. when he went back to America. Yeah. I've still got it, haven't I? He, he was a pilot, yeah. wasn't he? A he
3: bomber was, a, pilot? He, I was think he a bomber he, pilot. United States Air Force bomber pilot, I think.
2: Because there used to be an American base during the war at um, Berensfield. Right. Yeah, and they've got a big memorial there now. Oh, right. There was a base yeah. there.
1: Maybe this the was Chalk Farm.
3: Chalk yeah. oh. Farm, okay. Yeah.
1: And of course, he was my best man. Well, I got married. Wow. (laughs) He asked could he be best man yes
0: <laughs> well and bob hope as well superstar of the day and yes. Well, yes. he didn't recruit you to play piano for him then <laughs> oh yeah. well i suppose the other thing to ask you if you have any memories of and you may not do uh, that is that in 1945 there was a really significant moment in mg's history he was not so involved with the company at the time but of course it was the death of cecil kimber who founded mg oh, yes. in king's cross in a rail accident yes. do you have a memory memory of the news
1: yes yes i remember about that yeah yes yeah.
0: so it was it was known here at mg that that, that would had happened and it was the talk of the factory i guess at the time
1: yes it was mm. quite yes it was mm. yeah it actually was very sad because mm. he was quite well liked you know Yeah, sure.
0: yeah well we'd sit in an office with him overlooking us now and of course he probably wouldn't have had any idea of what MG would have turned into through its real heyday in the fifties yeah. and sixties? But I think, Iris, it was down to you and your workmates, your your team, if you like, that kept MG going through the Second World War yes. to make sure there was a factory still here in the nineteen fifties to start building all the amazing cars yes, that yeah, they did.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely.
0: Brilliant. Yeah. It's been such an honour to meet you. Oh, Wonderful to hear your stories, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed today. It must be lovely to see everyone again.
1: Oh, you, well, I recognise the faces. God, I've known you years back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And for you as well, you know, great memories of being here, yeah, later yeah. than your mum, obviously, yeah, but, yeah, you know... gentleman gentleman here today,
2: it's his first time here, and he looked... he, he didn't know anybody, and he was sat near us, wasn't he? That, yeah. and his name was Barry Fleawood and I said to him oh visitor I said where do you come from he said from in Somerset mm. and um, I said I used to know somebody in and Fleawood I said I said Johnny Fleawood he said, that's my father he said <laughs> wow I said well I grew up with him <laughs> I, I said and he's, he's he used to run the Saxon Arms pub in, in Abaddon you know yeah I said, I remember that, I said, cause there, we, there was a the landlady, we used to call her Mrs Fleetwood. I said, was that your mum? He said, no, that was my grandmother, he said.
0: <laughs>
2: and, wow. And, um, and I said to him, uh, well, I knew your dad well, I'd like to with him. I said, we used to play music together, you know, and mm. things like that. And, and he got this envelope out, and he had photographs in there. <laughs> of his dad. Of his, his dad. Yeah. grief. Wow. Yeah. And things like that, and, and photographs as he was before he died, you know. Wow. Um, and yeah. so uh, and he's coming next year and well. yeah. oh, that's right. great so he's, he's he's gonna come every year you know but he didn't know anybody obviously he came in he never knew a salt. no he didn't no but he's left with a
3: few friends you know yeah now yeah, but yeah. I saw I saw that name Fleetwood you know and I thought mm, that rings a bell. yes I remember the Fleetwood yeah <laughs> but I don't think there's anyone in the factory that worked here, I don't, there's a, I don't think there's anyone that says they didn't like it. No, they all say they loved it. Mm. It was fun. It shouldn't have. Perhaps it shouldn't have been because you, you know we were working, mm. but at the same time, you seemed to have a laugh. Mm. You know, there was lots of fun and laughs. I don't know what it was. Perhaps it was just because I was in eight, late, eighteen did. or something. Perhaps I was having fun. But you know, mm. but everyone says they loved it and it was fun and it was a family. Mm. You know, the unity was great. Well, are the you, fact that everyone's here
0: yeah. so many years later I think proves yeah. that, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does.
2: Know? Well on the, on the production lines yeah. when the cars are coming down, on the windscreen there was also always an A5 card on the windscreen. And it told you what part of America it was going, because most of the cars you know went to America. Sure, yeah. And it had there's a city, the state, and, and I used to look at every single card. You know where it was going and when the factory closed in 1980 first thing i did i went to america <laughs> to for, for the music that's i used to look at all these cards and it could be any city wherever and you know, all the dealers were mm. and that was my ambition to go to america mm. as soon as that factory closed and got my redundancy money I went
0: to America. And you did. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And if you saw an MG you knew that yeah. you'd had a part in building yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you
2: know, when you when you went over there, what did you see going on the road?
1: MGs. <laughs> yes. So yeah. of course we were all musical, weren't we? Oh yeah, I'm a drummer.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm a professional drummer, full time drummer. Wow. Yeah. Do you
1: remember Frank Highville?
3: The sixties pop star. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was Frank's drummer for ten years.
0: Wow. Yeah.
3: Well I was in a band before I joined Frank. Um and I was in a band. We were supporting Frank Ifield on tours, as a support band. When Frank's drummer left, he rang the personnel office at MG's, and the woman answered the phone and said, "Hello, can I help you?" He said, "Hello there, it's Frank Ifield here. Can I speak to Clive Dixon, please?" So they had to run upstairs and get me from the trim deck, top deck, and bring me back down to personnel to speak to Frank Ifield. And he just and I knew him because I'd supported him on tours. I said, "Hello, Frank. What do you want?" He said, Well he said, I'm just offering you a job. If you want it, you got it. You don't need to audition. We know what you're like. We've heard you. If you want the job, got it. So within a week I'd left MG's and I'd gone on the road with Frank. I think our first was twenty-five shows in Ireland, my first sort of tour with him ever. Then we ended up in Norway for a month, you know, and that went on to Holland and Germany and Austria. It just went on with Frank all over the place. But what gets me is MGs shut in October 1980. I left January '79. So if I hadn't have joined Frank, I'd have had one a year and nine months left at MGs, and I'd have been out of a job. Yeah. But instead, Frank phoned up, offered me the job, and I got ten years extra, if you like. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So I was never out of a job, you know. So that was a good move. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I yeah. missed MGs, but I took on music, you know.
0: Yeah.
3: I'd have been out of a job anyway, within a year and a bit,
0: because mm. MG's shut. Yeah. So it's, it's a lesson to young people listening that if you get an opportunity, grab just, it. Yeah, 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 it's yeah it's I think so. Just <laughs> just go, yeah. And of course, Barry
1: was quite American, wasn't he? Oh, right. Barry,
3: very... Uh, uh, yeah. Nashville. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I
2: yeah. used to see all these places on the cards, on the card. Yes. I looked at every single card. It was gone. Every city you could think of. Mm. And I thought, well, when it was an extra redundancy... I see. I'm going. <laughs> yeah. I bought an air ticket, and I went to, went to Nashville, and all yeah. the place, you know, wonderful. And um, but when I first started there, uh, the MGA was still in production. Mm. It was just coming to the end, mm. and I think it was the last car that had a separate chassis. Yeah. The body used to come down, and the chassis were dipped in the uh, one of the buildings just around the corner here was dipped all in this black glue. Then they put the wheels on all the rest and push it around to the other side of the factory. Yeah. To drop the body on, they had the engine in there, and I had, to, I had a paint And I used to I had to top it. The bits oh, was missing, you know. <laughs> wow. Uh, then they used to drop the body on because it had the wheels, the engine, the you know the back axle and everything else. Mm-hmm. But then, it, then it finished, and the MGB came in in '62, I think. Mm-hmm. You know. So. Yeah.
0: Uh, both icons in their own right really you know especially MGB's icons of the 1960s both for for motoring but for for what Britain could do you know the most popular sports car highest selling sports car of all time then you know my,
2: my grandson, my son's son he's 10 years old and when he came over a few weeks ago whenever it was he wanted to go up to the town hall yeah and he wanted a photograph with the MGB. Uh, What's yeah. still in the town hall? Yeah. And we got a picture of him sitting in front of the MGB. You know, He's only 10 years old, you know.
3: So. Next generation. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Supporting the car. Absolutely. Yeah. Pity
1: it's ever closed, really, mm. yeah.
0: yeah, it is. Yeah, it is, especially when you hear the stories of all of those that work there and the, yeah, the family feel that you get from it, you know. Yeah, well, good. I always
2: remember, I don't think it's my imagination, some American dealer stood outside the main gate you know wondering why it's closing down
0: really yeah
2: you know uh, I don't think it's my imagination I think there's one or two at the gate
0: lots of questions I think asking
2: questions why is it closing down yeah if I hadn't closed down I would would have still been there till I retire yeah yeah over the stage because in those days you either went to the when you left school you either went to the MG factory the post office The brewery or the leatherworks, and that was the four main employers in Aberdon, which um, they're all gone.
0: Do you have a recollection of this building that we're sat in now, Kimber House, as it is now? Um, What was it then, and do you remember coming past it every day?
2: I I, I actually went in there to pick my redundancy up.
0: Really, right? It was an A4
2: bit of paper. I still got it at home with the details on, and how much I got. I had to go in there and collect it into that building and that's where I used to ride my bike I always used to come in this way uh, to work in the morning but, uh, I've been in there a few times yeah.
3: yeah Yeah, I used to pick my wages up in that building there yeah. which are flats now I think aren't yeah. they yeah. but I'd go in the corner, the left hand corner as you look a little hatch and you pick your little brown envelope up mm. with the wages up I used to go in there, pick them up
1: well it was a private house
3: once. oh what, it? this building? this building, oh, Sorry, this yeah, building. This, I don't really remember this mum but the big office block there which, oh, is, yeah. which then was MG is just over here I think yeah. I'm right up the, yeah, the garages. Yeah, yeah sorry I mean about that big building was the pay office and admin sure yeah. but no I don't remember this MG club you know the, mm-hmm. this but Barry does yeah Yeah. but, but when I when I
2: went in there to pick up my redundancy they would not pay you the first three years of your service redundancy money because you were a T-boy oh, yeah oh really? really so if you had if you had, um, when it closed, if you had 20 years service, you only got 17 years redundancy. And if you were a t-boy, they wouldn't pay that 3 years. Wow. They wouldn't pay it.
0: <laughs> Even though that's pretty much where everyone started it sounds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: yeah they, they just, in those days they wouldn't pay, they would today, but they in those days they wouldn't pay the 3 years, because that was your time as a
0: t-boy might have been across the world being famous by this point but you must have still had a tinge of sadness that when you he heard oh, the news yeah.
3: yeah I mean I was enjoying going around the world with Frank for 10 years everywhere but no and I still have today I always remember MGs Yeah. you know I always remember it and love it Yeah. you know I'd probably go back tomorrow you know probably <laughs> would but no I loved it and we had some good fun there.
2: We used to go in for 7.30 and on the board it would say 74 cars oh what a day a What's day oh, for your shift for the day <laughs> yeah you're on piecework so come 12 o'clock they're all built finished uh, and you yeah. went home yeah right and then they brought in measured day work which meant you had to work till half past four right sure and you were still doing the same amount of cars in the same time you know yeah so yeah. yeah they you brought in measured day work measured day work yeah, yeah. and piecework went
3: but you could be at the factory sitting down for two to three hours yeah
2: yeah right because
3: yeah. you're finished but you're not allowed to leave
2: yeah yeah. but the yeah. the uh, as a tea boy I used to go in at 6 7 o'clock well I used to go in early and wire all these dip switches up if it was 74 cars for him and do other jobs for other people then come Friday when you went down the line they used to give you tips yes
0: now others have told us about this you know it was this sort of pay the t-boys well and they'll speed your day up so you can get home quick yeah so
2: i was probably getting my wages was probably i don't know 1.50 a week if that right and i was getting money from everybody on the line i used to help out i might have a fiver you know and tips you know um, doing doing little jobs for them, and yeah. they haven't got to do it. It was various things like that, you know. Amazing. But you know, having a dip switch, that shows you how long ago it is. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So that guy didn't have to wire those dip switches up; they were all done, ready for him each day. You know, then yeah. you got your cup of bob or whatever it was. You know,
0: yeah. you got your tip, and he got to go home earlier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like
2: I said piecework yeah. was great. I loved the piecework, you know. Yeah. But they they scrapped it. measured day work. You were there all day. Yeah. Uh-huh.
3: You were there from seven thirty till fourth every was. Yeah. so uh, it's funny i say i was a t-boy but i was never a t-boy on the production of the mg sports car i worked at special tuning
0: okay right
3: comps department lovely i was put up there and it's still there now the building yeah so i was t-boy up there for all of 76 until i was put on production in 77 right. so technically i i was never a t-boy in the factory yeah it was always in the uh, special but that was great, seeing all the rally drivers come in, sure. uh, Hop, Paddy Hopkirk, yeah. Hop I used to clean his car for him, and, you know, they'd take the engine out, the guys would, and then just be this empty shell, I had to take it down to the car wash. Yeah. I don't know how I got a car down without an engine, but I had to take it down the hill to the car wash, spray it, clean it all, get all the ty- mud off the tyres, then get it back up to special <laughs> tuning. I've been
2: the railway station for a while, right. where the testers, the cars from off the line, used to take them around Shipping Village and around the Aerodrome, testing them. And they used to take them down to Avonham Railway Station to go to go on the train up to the main line at Rudley, you know. Mm-hmm. And I worked down there the cars, used, we used to have to train all the petrol out, except for a little bit, drive the car onto the train, disconnect the batteries and then come back for another one. Then the train used to go up to Rudley on the main line, you know. Mm-hmm. And we used to go in the pub, there was a pub there called the Rail, we used to go in there at 10 o'clock. For sandwich whatever it was you know and, uh, and things like that you know um.
3: yeah I remember the I remember the cars on all the the flatbeds all yeah. the MG cars you know and that t- was
2: basically the only thing left and passenger service stopped and that was yeah. the only thing the station and railway was used for sure. at the end yeah. I think mm-hmm. it was the MG, yeah it's now a Waitrose yeah. supermarket you know yeah. Yeah
0: fantastic to meet two generations here of mg workers amazing to hear your stories both whilst you're at mg and and afterwards as well you know fantastic you must be very proud of your two boys
1: oh i love them to bits (laughs) they don't know it but i do
2: I, i think it's yeah i think it's great that somebody like yourself and the mg club and all these people are getting these things put down yeah because yes. it, yeah. it would, be, like a lot of things in life, they'd be lost. Yeah, Absolutely.
0: they would be. They'd be yeah. lost. Yeah. Well, uh, it's been a joy to be sat here talking to you and hearing your memories. Hopefully the people listening to this will enjoy it as much as I have, so thank you very much. Yeah,
1: thanks, Ryan. Have I said
0: enough? <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe to receive new episodes of the MG Car Club podcast at mgpodcast.uk.